Y'all are all still here. You have to stay in here in adult church with me, all right? Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in chapter 11 of John. We're in the middle of talking about the I am statements, and we're in the middle of the last of the I am statements that we're going to be looking at where Jesus says that I am uh, the resurrection and the life. So last week, what we talked about was the two deaths, all right? We talked about the fact that there is a one death for each and every one of us. There's... It's appointed unto man once to die, right? But there's also a second death that we learned about, and the book of Revelation speaks about it. It's when death and Hades are thrown into the eternal lake of fire, and, and that is the end. So death is finally totally eradicated and overcome. Because for a believer, there is no longer death. Once this body dies, that's not the eternal part of who we are. What's eternal in us, all right? What? The soul. The soul is eternal. So the physical death for us is just a moving from one place to the next. To be absent from the body is to be with the Father in heaven, right? But for those who die separated from God or don't have a relationship with him, we talked about how there was Hades, this place where they would go, and then eventually all of that is thrown in. So there's a second death. So today what we want to look at is we're going to look at the two resurrections. There's two different resurrections, all right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue reading on in the passage, and then we're also going to look at both of these examples of the resurrection, all right? So it says this, starting in verse 17 of chapter 11. So when Jesus came, remember Jesus had been told about Lazarus who had, was sick and not doing well. And Mary and Martha were his sisters and they were all together a family outside the, in the suburbs of Jerusalem called Bethany. And they stayed there all the time, did ministry in Jerusalem and stuff. And so they, he was told that he was sick. Now what did he do when he found out he was sick? Did he go immediately? No, he hung out for four days. So now we're here, okay? So when Jesus came... He found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come uh, to Mary and to Martha to console them for, uh, for them concerning their brother. Now, look, th I think I may have explained this once before, but when someone died, there were paid mourners, okay? The family would dole out money for people to come and just sit around the house, for, and it was a long time. It wasn't just an event that took place over a short period of time. For days and days and days, they would lament and mourn this person, and so there would be a large gathering around when someone passed away. So when it speaks about this, when Jesus is showing up, it's been four days. Can, so can you imagine the amount of people that are actually around the house at this point in time, all right? Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Now remember the two sisters. There was one sister who was uh, kind of reserved, but there was one sister, Martha, who was in every family, right? And she is not reserved. Right, Vivian? That's right. All right. All right. So there's a Martha in every family. So Martha had gone out to meet, all right, Jesus. And he said this, but Mary stayed. I'm, I'm just burning all the bridges here in one, one particular day, aren't I? I'm not. She knows I love her. Um, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. All right, so as we look at this passage today, we're seeing that someone has passed. All right, Lazarus has passed. And then Mary and Martha are both upset. Mary in the house Martha's out, and she's vocal and verbal about what's going on. She meets Jesus and basically confronts him and says, Look, if you'd have showed up when we sent somebody to come for you, this, would have all, this never would have taken place. Jesus consoles her by saying that what? He is going to rise again. And then she speaks of what she knows of. 
What does she know of? That every single one of those who are a follower of Christ will one day rise again at his second coming, all right? And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the two resurrections. First of all, what's going to take place next week when we look at that and seeing we finally finish this passage, we're going to see that Lazarus is, is raised, and we're going to talk about that resurrection of life, which is for us, when Jesus Christ came the first time. Meaning this, meaning that Jesus died, as we looked last week, to eradicate sin. He covered our sin. His death, burial, and resurrection overcomes death, which gives life to us. All right, That's the fullness of what this passage has to say to us. But when we look at this in the, in the, in the uh, point of resurrection, there's two different ones. There's a resurrection of Christ, which has taken place, which is bringing eternal life to us. That's the first thing I want you to see on your outline. There's eternal life that came through Christ as he overcame this death. We spoke of the two deaths, but the death that he overcame is to give us life eternal with Christ Jesus. And he did that so that we could have a relationship with our Creator God. Scripture says this, that the last enemy that will be abolished is death. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 26. A passage that's in John, which is not on your outline. You can go look this up later. John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 say this, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe in him has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So we have to understand, the first time when Christ came to die, it was not to deal with judgment. It was to deal with sin. When Christ comes back the second time, it's all about judgment. And we're going to see that in just a few minutes when we look at the, the, two, the distinction between the two resurrections that I'm talking about this morning. So the first resurrection is a resurrection of life. It's a resurrection of eternal life. It's, for, it's, for, it's available for all. But the, it's only going to happen for those who believe and follow Christ. And so we have to understand that there's a distinction being made here. There's a line that's being drawn. And it comes and begins with the first coming of Christ Jesus and his death. It will be finalized with the second coming of Christ when we're all taken home in our glorified bodies, okay? And so we have to see the completion of this thread that we're talking about. Scripture, remember how I've told you, is threads. It's all woven together. It's a garment that is complete. We cannot pull this stuff out. If we pull it out, we have holes. This is what's happening in the church today. The church is picking and choosing the things that it wants to talk about and does not want to talk about. We don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about all the stuff, suffering and sacrifice, all those bad things. Because why? We want it to all be fun. We all, we, we all want it to be, have a great time. We, we, we need it to be positive, right? All of our messages need to be positive. That's the only way that people come back. People don't want to come to church and be beaten down, right? They don't want to hear hellfire and brimstone. I'm not saying that you've got to preach it like that. I'm saying that you've got to explain the truth for what it is. Because it is the truth that sets you free. Am I not trying? Come on, shake your head with me this morning. All right? It is the truth that sets us free. If we do not have truth, we cannot have trust. If we do not have truth, we will not have trust. Faith is trust. Belief is understanding that it is true. Faith, to walk out and to stand out and to do the things that God has called us to do, requires us to trust Him. If we're, there's no way that you're going to trust something that you don't believe is truth. You're not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it, right? So if we come in here on Sunday mornings and we begin to pick apart Scripture, and we begin to say that Jesus really didn't die... 
He didn't really rise again. He really didn't heal these people. He really didn't do this. He really wasn't born of a virgin. He really didn't come from God himself. He's born of a man. He's just like everybody else. Then there is no covering for our sin. It's like me dying for you. That doesn't do you any good. It doesn't do you any good. I cannot die for you and get you where you're going. You can't do that for me. So we have to understand this for what it is. Christ came not to judge us, but to set us free. Set us free from the death which we are all going to die. That is the physical death that is given to us set once for every man, woman, child. So it is for all of us. So we have to see that for what it is as the truth. When we believe that is the truth, then we can go on in 1 Corinthians chapters 15, verse 26, and then verse 42 through 44, it says this. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in a perishable body. It is raised as an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, and it is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there's also a spiritual body. So this is what you get here. We've talked about this before. I'm not going to get into it ad nauseum on Easter Sunday morning. But I can be a better body than I am right now. Could you be a better body than you are right now? That's right. I get up, you know, and I look around and I say, man, I think I told you I was going through my house looking through a bunch of old pictures, and I used to not, this used to not be what it is. It has become, it is an expanding man around me, you know, and, and I could do something about that. But I also know this, this is my physical body, and I know where I am because I talk to a lot of y'all. A lot of y'all are at the age you're like, I don't care what I eat. If God calls me home, he calls me home. I've lived it. It's been good. I'm going to enjoy what I got right now, right? Amen? All right? So we're okay with it. We're totally okay with it. This is not my glorified body. I will be very disappointed if this is my glorified body. God can do better than this. I know he can. All right? And I have full faith and trust in the truth that my spiritual glorified body will be better than this. All right? But I know that I have abused this physical body. And I have taken advantage of it. And I have lived life. And there is sin that has come into this body. There is sin that has come out of this body. But this thing is perishable. This is sown in the natural. Are you getting it? We are forgiven of that, not because we deserve it, but because of what Christ has done for us. And that's what he's sharing with us here. That's what Paul is telling us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's sown in something that's going to go away. But something better is coming. So as this dies, as this physical body dies, and one day they place me in the ground, and I'm there for I don't know how long until the Lord comes back, but when he comes back, it's raised up anew. And it's different. It's not this. It is a spiritual body. So, my soul, which is eternal, is going to be joined with a body which is what? Eternal. And it will not be this. This is eternal life for us. This is what we hope for. This is why we have faith. This is why we love others when they are unlovable. 
This is why we do what Scripture tells us to do. This is why we make the sacrifice. This is why we believe that this is truth. Why? Because it can't be all of this. If, there, if it is just this, which is where our society and our world is today, it's just this. It's all about this. This is mine, 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 mine. My rights, my this, my that. Don't tell me what to do with me. Well, if you're at the center of your life, that is a self-centered life. That is not a God-centered life. Then when this perishes, you own it. Do you understand that? You own that. And, and what's happening all around us is that everybody's losing hope. We're losing hope because we've lost our love. Because we don't believe that this is truth anymore. And we've lost our faith because we're sure not going to trust in that. And if we don't have faith and we don't have love, we have no hope. There's none for us. And there is none for all of humanity. And then this is just craziness. There's no reason for us to live, right? There is a reason for us to live. Our reason for living is because of what we're here celebrating for today. Because Christ broke this. His death, burial, and resurrection broke all of this. Because he broke all of this, we can live. We can have life. We can have hope. All right, let's continue on. This is what it says in John chapter 5. It says, truly, truly. Remember, oral culture, anytime you see words repeated in Scripture, it's, it's like snapping fingers. It's very important. Verily, verily. Truly, truly. In um, Isaiah where he says, holy, holy, holy. That's the... That in oral culture, that's the epitome of it right there. That's the height of it. If it was repeated three times, that was the greatest that you could get. So when it says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that's getting our attention. So truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. He gave him the authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of God. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, and those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life. Do you get this? This is the two resurrections. The first one is that of resurrection of life. Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, buried and raised, overcame death so that you and I can have this relationship, this soul, this spiritual body that God is going to give us is going to be eternal. It is given to us for resurrection of life. And that comes only through Christ Jesus. Okay, But it does say in this passage, and this is the reason I wanted to get to this, this is the hook. This is for us to help see. There is judgment coming. Though Christ did not come the first time to judge us, we are not here in the day and the age of the church to judge the world. That is not our job. That is hard. Because in a lot of places, the world hates us hates us. But it's not our job to wag our fingers back at them and to judge them. 
Why? Because they're dead in their sins. They're blinded by the God of this world. And they're a soul created by God. And and you and I, as other souls, have no right to cut somebody off. Now, I want you to think about this. I know some people may have verbalized it, but I don't think there's anybody in this room that would physically murder somebody. But I know that some of us would surely cut somebody off, which would be spiritually, what? Murder. Doing, not doing what we're supposed to be doing so that they can't get to where God has, wants them to be and desires for them to be. That's not our job. When we judge, that's what we're doing. And it was very important for us to go back and to look in the Sermon on the Mount and read where, where the Lord says, the measure to which you judge other people is a measure that will be measured back to you. So if we're going to wag our finger, what's the old adage? If you're going to point your finger at somebody else, you need to realize that there's how many what? There are three more pointing right back at you. If you're going to get rid of the log that's in somebody else's eye, the speck that's in somebody else's eye, you need to what? Look at the log that's in yours. We need to first examine ourselves before we go judging other folks. That's not our job. It is the job of Christ Jesus. And it will come about. It says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now look, I'm going to try to take this. Now I'm, not, I'm just going to tell you, I've always been honest with you on this. This is, the, this is Tim theology. Okay? I'm getting this from scripture. But I'm not sure every theologian is going to agree with me on this. And that's okay. That's all right. But the way I read this is everybody's name is in the book of life. Who's doing the erasing? Christ is doing the erasing, right? Right here it says that the Lord goes in and takes out somebody's name out of the book of life. Erases the name out of the book of life. So, when we were born and created, we were created to have a relationship with the Father. Sin intervened. Jesus Christ died for who? All. All. If Jesus Christ died for all, then everybody's name's in that book. But... Everybody's name does what? Not stay in that book. I can't take that name out. You can't take that name out. Christ Jesus can take that name out. And will what? He will one day. Because the second resurrection is not a resurrection to life. It's a resurrection to judgment. And this is the white throne judgment that we find in Revelations. You have to understand, and we have to know, and we have to believe Scripture. We have to know it is truth, and we have to trust it. In Philippians, Paul tells us this, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow to those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming. Now, the deal is, When that day comes, it's too late for those whose names have been erased. But they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If they do not confess it now, 
they will confess it later. Is it Midas? Was it the old Midas commercial? You can pay me now, or you can pay me. Did y'all not remember that at all? Did I just go way off, off page on that? Y'all don't remember that at all? Am I the only one remember? You can pay me now, or you can what? Pay me later. And they will pay for that later, because guess what? It looks like, it looks like, it surely looks like that the world is winning, does it not? As I stand here on Sunday morning, and I think about the number of people just in the last few years, do you realize that thousands of people walked out of church last Sunday for the last time? The last time. And that the numbers are leaving in droves. And in our own convention, and I want to tell you this, we're, we're the best of Protestant denominations in the United States for effectiveness. But we are losing. We are losing. We're just not losing at the rate that everybody else is, and so we think we're winning. But we are not. Last year, in the state of Georgia, we planted 25 new churches. 25 in the entire state of Georgia. Now I want you to think about this. Ten years ago, I was in the department that's in charge of that for the Georgia Baptist Convention, or the now it's called the Georgia Baptist Missions Board. And we planted 100. Ten years ago in the state of Georgia, there was about 6 million people. Now there's about 8 million. Are you grasping what I'm throwing out here? We are not winning. We're not winning in our communities. And it sure looks, looks like the world is going to win. But the world is really losing. And it's losing at a catastrophic rate all around us. Two million more people. Seventy-five less churches started. And in our own, we talk about this all the time. We're in an association of churches that has about 75 other churches in it. And at one point, about four weeks ago, 13 of those churches had no pastor. And I'm in a group that talks about the, the health of churches, and we got about four or five in our association that are this close. This close to closing up. This close to shutting it all down. So at the same rate that we're not planting churches, the we're what? We're losing our churches. So the number of churches are shrinking while there's certain numbers of churches which are going what? Through the roof in the number of people that show up there. But in total, the effectiveness of the gospel is waning. Is waning. And that is on us. That is on us. Now, I don't want to get too much into this, but you can go read Ezekiel on your own. The Lord has given you a message, and we don't deliver that message. It says the blood of those who did not receive that is on whose hands? Our hands. We don't judge. We are messengers. It is not my message. I just told you what I believe, and I prefaced it by saying this is what? Tim Theology. 
And it's okay to give our opinion. But you better preface it that it's your opinion. Because if we're driving people away, and we're keeping them from having their name in that book, then that's going to be on us. Our job is to take this, the good news, and take it to a lost and dying world. Our job is to be the sacrifice, which nobody wants to be, and to live the life that God has called us to live in front of those in which he's called us to live it. You are placed in this place for such a time as this. Katie, your job is a gift from God. You are to serve where you're to serve. Victoria, God has placed you in the middle of Atlanta with Cole. And you've been placed there in those places by God. And we must believe that. And we must live that. Because if not, people's names are coming out of the book because one day they will bow, and it will be too late. Revelations 20, verses 10 through 13 says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, for those whose presence earth and heaven fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were open, and another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged from those things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up its dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And then John chapter 5, finishing that passage where I gave you the majority of it already. For those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. You and I will never, ever, 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 ever experience that. Just like we don't experience a second death, we will not experience this resurrection of judgment. All that's happening for us is that our soul is going to be joined with our body one day, eternally. If we go home before the Lord comes back, our soul and our body will be joined together. And that's all about life. But for those who are separated, they're never allowed. They go to this place, this holding place, this Hades, until the eternal judgment at the end. And then they get judged again. And if you didn't catch that last week, go read Luke chapter 16. You can read about that chasm and about what that's like. And you can get a picture of it. This is Christ's perspective. Now think about this. When the second coming comes, this is what we look at. This is what he sees. And this is what it's all about. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered to him. And he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
And then for the others, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I know bad stuff happens here. I know in this congregation, we have people and family members and, and, and member members who are dealing with cancer and dealing with uh, all kind of maladies, whether they be infirmities of health, whether they might be memory or physical infirmities, things that we go through here. There is suffering. There is non-perfection. There is us being us. But one day, all this will be over. And you need to realize and see this as I see it. This is our hell. This is as bad as it gets for you. This is as bad as it will be for me. Is that I've got to walk around with 15 extra pounds because I eat too much chocolate. This is as bad as it gets. That ain't too bad, is it? Now you need to think about this. This is as good as it gets for them. For those who are separated from the Father, this is as good as it gets. All of this is in this world. This is as good as it gets. And one day, when breath from this body goes, that chasm will be, will be set. And none of us can fix it. So while there's breath in our lungs and life in these fleshly bodies, our job is not done. And though we've been placed in this part of this world at this time, and it sure does look like we're losing ground, we can never, ever, ever give up or quit. So we cannot stop. It is who we are. It is the fulfillment of what Christ has given us. It is the greatest gift that anyone could ever receive. And it has been graced upon you by the mercy of God. It is not a curse. We're going to look at that next week. A little hook there to bring you back. It is not a curse. It's a blessing. And we must see it as such. Luke 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come unto judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. There are two deaths. We will only know one. There are two resurrections. We will only know one. And that will be to life. And life eternal. But for those who are around us each and every day, those who pass us by, those who road rage us, those who get on our last nerve at work, 
that may be separated from the Father, they need to know this. So when you are road raged, a hand gesture is not the appropriate thing. Nor do we need to be like the lady in North Carolina. Did y'all read about her this week? Y'all didn't read about the lady in North Carolina? There's a lady in North Carolina that has known from the county and area in which she lives for cutting everybody off. She just cuts them off. She has stopped. In, she was stopped in front of a school bus this past week and wagging her finger at the person. But her tag is a... Um, uh, one of those uh, vanity tags or whatever. Does anybody remember what it said? It's, it's not unforgiven, but uh, <laughs> because she probably wouldn't be. I can't remember, but it's supposed to be something like a blessing. So, and I'm like, she's known. The police know her for this. In other words, what she says about herself and what she lives out in front of everybody else is in complete opposite. Don't do that. Our job is not to be that person. Our job is to be the light. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings which you bestowed upon us and the life that we've been given. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made so that we might be able to have eternal life. And that life which you give us here is an abundant life. It's a life of blessings. It's a life devoid of the curse of man. And Father, I praise you and I give you all the glory for creation and for wanting and desiring to have a relationship with someone like me. But Lord, every single person in these pews today are just a vessel. We're just a conduit. Our job is to be filled up with you and then to pour ourselves out. And as we leave this place today, I pray with all that's within me that the words that have been spoken today have done nothing but uplift the souls that are in this place to be filled up with the fullness of the love, grace, mercy, joy of Christ so that we might be able to go out and to pour ourselves out to those who are around us. Father, I pray for strength. I pray for guidance and direction. I pray for the courage to do that which we know that we should do. That we might live, live a life abundant for the call of Christ. These things we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.